Now let's welcome God like we care. Yeah. Come on. Well, hallelujah. A disclaimer, if you're in Israel, if you were at the Orthodox Church, they'd all be wearing hats that wouldn't quite look like this. If you were going to the Wailing Wall, which they don't call it that much anymore, it's more of the Western Wall, but they do wail a lot at the Western Wall because they think that's the closest they can get to the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. You would have to wear a hat of some sort. Um, remember, the hat is to remind them whose authority that they're under. Of course, they're, everything that they're doing, they're reminded that they're under the authority of God. So it's really not sacrilegious, as you might think. It's really falling in line to, be, to have this kind of hat on. The other disclaimer is MGGA stands for our billboard of the month, which we're through with today. It's called Make God Great Again. I was talking to somebody at Walmart yesterday, and I had this hat on, and I was telling them what MGGA, and they said, but God's already great. The disclaimer is that's true. God's already great. But we've fallen and fell in America from making that known to the rest of even our own country, much less the world. We have a difficulty even in our churches thinking God is great. We really do. He is already great, but it's our privilege to make him great in our own lives. That's really what it's all about. So we want to make God great again in us. Then, we, then America will become great. We don't have to make America great. We have it backwards. Okay, that's why we're doing this. Today I'm going to be talking to you about don't you know and haven't you heard? Don't you know and haven't you heard? There's a lot of things that I don't know and there's a lot of things I haven't heard. But let me tell you this. There's a lot of things that I do know and there's a lot of things that I've heard. Now, I say no, not really in reality because what you hear is usually what not, you really don't know how true that is and we'll keep talking about that later. Many of us have taken for granted that all have heard the gospel. Isn't that right? That's why a lot of times we don't share with the same people uh, we don't think it's important because we think, well, surely they know and they've heard. I mean, I've told them once. I didn't get saved till I was 28. During that time period from that I was supposed to know all the way to 28, I can't tell you how many times that somebody shared the gospel with me. And I didn't know and I didn't hear until I was 28. And I finally knew because I heard what Jesus did. And it's so crazy in our world today, we seem to be numb to the idea that there is an eternity. We seem to be numb to the idea that we're all born in sin. Like he, Pastor Kobe did a tremendous job last week of sharing with you of what being born in sin, what Christians, their difficulty of living in, being in Christ, but being in the middle because they do sin sometimes, they still think they're in Adam. And they're so confused because there's no progression there's no commonality in the fact that we, our past is erased. I was thinking a while ago as we were singing about the cross, you know, when there's a piece of pie in the house and you go get a, what do you call it, a sliver? A sliver of pie? You know, I just know that that sliver, once it's cut away, it can never be replaced because of where it's gone. Come on, somebody. Are you listening? Well, that's the way your sin is. Once it's been erased, it can never be replaced. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's kind of like Christ has eaten this, and he has to be in a, 
in, in a, uh, a way that you can comprehend. He's eating this. He's, he's taking it on himself, but we are the most, we are the worst, and I, and I say this about myself from time to time, of being reminded of by the enemy about my past. When, when I bring it to God, he goes, I truly don't know what you're talking about. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? And I think that's what we struggle with a lot of times. We keep reminding God of our past, and he's going, don't you know? Haven't you heard? Now, many have heard a sound, but many have not listened to the message. We think if we told them once, it's done. Hey, look, I told Gerald about the gospel. If Gerald doesn't get it, that's Gerald's fault. I told him if he doesn't get it, if God doesn't do something later on in his life, if nobody else comes to Gerald, at least it'll be his blood will not be on my hands. When in reality, I think if we're sensitive to the Holy Ghost, there's many people that we need to be telling many times until they can say, yeah, I do know, and yes, I heard. Until they do that, I think there's something in us is being led by the Holy Ghost if we'll just listen. If they didn't get it, then we do it over and over and over and over. Haven't you heard? Many people have messages or information that really is not worth hearing. Can I hear an amen? amen. Some of the things that I see on social media, we ought to be ashamed for writing. Some of them even Christianity, Christian people write because our battle seems to be not against flesh and blood, but, and it's not, but seem, the stuff we write, even in Christianity, it seems like we haven't decided what battle we're really in. But we have the message, which contains the content that changes the destiny and the destinations of many. Don't you know, haven't you heard? We have the message, Lou. We have the message. I think we forget that. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Have you forgotten? We have the greatest message. That's the billboard of the Christian. That's it. Make God great again in your own life because that's the message you would portray even if you never said it. Everything about you is about the haven't you heard message and don't you know. It's either leading to or driving away. If you're not sensitive to Holy Ghost, you'll be driven away. You'll drive somebody away or you'll lead them to. It's, it's, there's really not much middle ground. Or you'll just ignore them because you're intimidated by their fleshly stance. Listen, when you minister to somebody, think about it like this. And I say ministry, when you witness to somebody about your faith, and I mean you get past the idea, well, if they, they see my little light shine, no, your little light's too small. God never said you had a little light. You have a big light. He's the light of the world. That means that we can light up a world if we would just do so. But when we get intimidated by somebody that has a message that seems to be overbearing, it just means, it just means their flesh is so powerful and it seems to overwhelm you. All you have to do is stand up, say, don't you know, haven't you heard, and let God do the rest. The reason why we're so intimidated with this billboard message is we think the power depends on us. The change depends on us. The ability to move that person depends on us. Get this, AJ, it doesn't depend on me. See, you can get up here and preach like this, but it doesn't depend on you. I'm not saying I don't take responsibility for studying, for preparing, for doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, living a, a righteous life before God. 
But I'm telling you, for me, for me to be able to preach as hard as I want to preach and say those things I want to say, and then you get up like you didn't hear anything, it's not my responsibility. It's God's responsibility to break into whatever you're being consumed by and for you to hear from him and finally once in your life say, I have heard and bless God, now I know. John 4, 42 from the lady at the well. First, we must not, we must not take for face value anything we hear. Can I hear an amen? amen? Isn't that right? Anything and only half of what we see. And I'm not even saying now about half of what we see. Maybe less than that. Acts 17, 11, and 12, I like this. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message. Why? Because <laughs> they knew and they heard with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women, and many Greek men. Now, I like this. The thing is we must do is when we receive his message, we must examine the scripture to continue in truth. That's where I think most believers fall short. We really do. I read and listen to others about the Bible. Not so much as that I read the Bible. I read the Bible more than I do that. But I also examine the scriptures to discern the truth. If social media is your only source, you are being misled. Are you listening to me? To always be getting your messages and your knowledge and your so-called revelation from social media. And I'm not against social media when it, when it does have the right person saying the truthful things, but for that to be your basis, for that to be your grounding, for that to be your source of, of uh, don't you know and haven't you heard, you have no power because you did not receive the revelation on your own. I like it when I read something that I've never heard and I let it settle into my spirit, but until I find it in the scripture and it becomes revelation to me, the guy that I read about, he's the one that owns it, and I want it to own me, but it can't own me because he had the revelation. I, not against social media, I use it, but to use it as my Bible is something else. When you get a word from the Lord, it is spoken to the heart. Pastor Rachel was talking about that a while ago. It is not something that is fleeting and meaningless or maybe just good information. That's not what it is. You know, many people say, well, you know, you don't understand my schedule. I don't get up early enough and I stay up. I have to go to bed early. Or, you know, I have to, I get up too early and I have to go to bed early. That's, I don't know how you, somehow you got to find time to think God's important enough for you to get in the word of God, stay in the word of God, so you have the, the, the audacity to claim in the midst of a crowd or in a solo group, you and someone else to say, don't you know, haven't you heard? See, the word of God is transforming in its content and intent as it is received by the heart. Not just by content, but intent. The word of God has an intention. Yep, do you know that? The word of God has an intention. You know what it's supposed to do? The intention of the word of God is supposed to make many sons of God. Jesus was the firstborn. We're the follow after. It has an intent. It's not just to be read like a newspaper. It's to be read as something of value and importance 
something that's life-changing and eternal because it is. Isaiah 40, 21 says, don't you know, have you not heard? Don't you just like that? You know, as a Christian, I just wonder how many messages we can hear. I just wonder how many things that we can come in contact with. You know, they say pressure is what changes us to make great decisions or not. But as a Christian, pressure is supposed to transform you to a greater image of God, not to complain that you're in this situation. Pressure is supposed to bring about obedience, not disobedience. Victory, not failure. Are you listening to me? That's what pressure is supposed to do. Do you not know? Have you not heard this before? Do you not know that it was the pressure of sin and the desire to be obedient to the Father that Jesus took it on, laid in the grave three days, and rose again? Do you not know? Have you not heard? That's your same message. As he died, you died. As he rose, you rose. And the same spirit that lived in him to raise him from the dead lives in you. Don't you know? Well, so right now, see, I'm preaching out of my soul because I can't even get you to agree with me. I hate it to have to preach so hard because I feel like I'm, I'll never get Pastor Kobe did that. A steady knock breaks the rot. If y'all were never here to see that message, it was a great message. A steady knock breaks the rot. But we, that's, our, that's what our soul does. It gets so hardened. And we just, I mean, somebody has to take a rock and beat that thing and beat that thing. And all it takes is a, don't you know, haven't you heard from God? Uh, revelation, and it's not so difficult anymore for you to see, understand, believe, and walk after. Don't you know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? This is a story. This was plan J from Genesis, from before Genesis. Plan Jesus was the, was the plan. There's no plan A or B. It's just plan J. It's all it is. God never changes, but he sure changes us. That's his motive. From the beginning, i never forget as a snotty-nosed old white trash kid with Infantigo. We lived, near, we lived uh, next door to a, you know what Infantigo is? Any of y'all remember that? not much around anymore, but it gets sores on your mouth, and they're big enough like the size of a half dollar, and you can't smile because it'll break, and it's so painful that it bleeds when it breaks, and you do everything you can to, to hide it, but how do you hide a sore like that? I don't know. You don't. You just go to school, and everybody mocks you. No, don't go all, oh, nothing. I think everybody else had it too, but I had it worse than everybody else because I guess when you, I don't know, it's a mess. Anyway, the guy that lived next to us, the people lived next to us were Pentecostal. And they looked over there at this old snotty-nosed little boy. And I'd go to their house sometimes, and we'd play, our parents would play Christian games in the house, you know, and it was really cool, and I just thought we always had a good time. And I didn't get along with them normally, but they saw something that they ought to be planning in me, even though me and their sons fought like cats and dogs. We really did. We wouldn't talk to each other for a long time, mad at each other all the time. But they'd take me to church. And they'd take me to church when I was acting sort of okay, which wasn't very often, but sort of. Sort of. I don't know what they thought when they put me in the car. What's this idiot going to do? But they did. They took a chance. And I'll never forget being in their church. It was kind of like this. And they'd be singing. And, you know, it's Pentecostal, old time. 
I told them they dancing and people were rolling and doing all kind of stuff. And, you know, as a little kid, I wanted to roll because I didn't like just sitting around anyway. <laughs> now, I didn't roll anywhere, but I wanted to. But, I mean, they were dancing and clapping, and I thought, isn't this is what? And then I'd go back, some other church would pick. You know, when you're a snotty-nosed little white trash kid that doesn't know where he's going or what he's doing, many people want to pick you up. Come on, somebody. Are y'all missing? Am I the only one that got picked up like that? I mean, I had the Baptist church picking me up, uh, the Calvary Baptist church picking me up, the Pentecostal church picking me up, and a friend of mine taking me to the Catholic church, and I was taking communion because I was hungry. <laughs> True story. He'd come up there and handing out that little wafer thing. <laughs> He'd do something. I don't know. I'd just say, man, at least I got a little snack. You don't understand we didn't get snacks back in those days in my house. Don't you know, have you not heard? Have you not, from the beginning, somebody was trying to reach me. God knew that's what it would take, and it's such a sad thing that it took till I was 28, but somebody didn't give up on me. Somewhere, somehow, somebody prayed for me. Listen, that's why you never, never give up. Haven't you heard? Don't you know? Isaiah 40, 25, 26 says, To whom will you compare me? Talking about God. Who is his equal? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Now, the difference between created and made is this. When God created something, he spoke into nothing and it became something. When he made something, it was some material there and he formed it. That's difference. There's a difference there. But he created what he's talking about right now. Do you not know this? Who created all this? Don't you know who we're dealing with? Don't you know? Have you not heard? And here's Isaiah 48, 20, 40, 28, 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. I hear people all the time, and especially those that are under so much pressure, things that are happening so bad, I just want to know why. And if God doesn't show me why, I'm staying in my position. Then you'll stay there till you die. Let me tell you what I figured out with God. He doesn't take orders from anybody. Only thing you can get God's attention with is obedience, submission. Listen to what we're talking about. He gives his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. See, both of those are the fact that we're, we're discombobulated when we're weak and we don't know where to stand, but then he says, increases the power of the weak. It's all when we understand the sentences before, the verses before. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, say, that's me will renew their strength. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That's how this started with verse 28. It's trying to tell you all the things about God. Then it gets to the place where it tells you the answer. Don't you know? Have you not heard? But those who hope in the Lord, even though we've been weak, even though we're weary, even though we're trying, the reason why it says you cannot 
find the bottom and the top and the width of God's knowledge as many of you have asked, but he hasn't shown you because you couldn't handle it if he did. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? You haven't heard this yet? Don't you know this yet? See, this is not just scripture for us to read today, but it's something for you to embrace, something for you to um, be so consumed by that when these things begin to happen, you remember a message about Isaiah 40, 31. You remember some sentences. You remember that maybe somehow you might get the, haven't you heard, don't you know? The billboard of our life must manifest this message. Do you not know? Have you not heard? As a kid in high school, do you not think that's not told me? Have you heard? You don't know? I mean, you know, high schoolers know everything, right? They're the smartest. And then we must show through the grace of God his greatness by our trust and love for him and his ways. That's difficult when God is allowing certain kinds of pressure to come upon us. It's to, it's to make us and mold us. See, it's not create because we've already been created. Now he's taking what the substance that we are, and through his word, he's beginning to shape us to act and look and talk like him. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That's what I'm talking about today. That's it. That's all I'm talking about. If you can't get this one, that's all he's doing with this pressure. Everybody goes, how come it's always happening to me? Well, why don't you get to a place of submission and you might see? Huh? Why don't you get to that place? I love what Quentin said. You know, even though, no matter what. See, when you have people that tithe, they just believe because they know they've been doing it for 38 years and there's nothing else to do but tithe no matter what. And then you have the skeptics that tithe about once a month or they tithe every now and then and go, I tried tithing, it doesn't work. Let me tell you something. You don't try anything in the Bible. You do it and it works. It just works for one reason. Why? God says it works. You say, well, I don't understand it. You want me to go back to the verses that said you can't totally understand God? You just do it. I just do it. I just do it. I just know how important it is that I do it, and I don't gauge it on how I feel. I don't gauge it on whether I've acted really good this week. I don't gauge it whether I feel guilty. I don't gauge on it whether I feel victory. I try not to go by my feelings. I just want to know, don't you know and haven't you heard what the Word of God says and is real and His promises are yes and amen to those of us that believe. Somebody say amen. amen. You have to love Him in His ways. Our circumstance does not determine who God is. Who God is causes our circumstances to submit to the will of God. See, but what we do is we stay in our circumstances. We stay in them. And we go, God, if you'll get me out of this. And he goes, <laughs> no, we, yeah, that's right. Let's make a deal. Door number one, two, or three. If you pick three, it was hell. Don't pick three, you understand? Listen to me. That's why God's not a dealer. That's why God doesn't pick numbers and go, here's how it's going to be if you, if you choose right. No, the truth is, choose him. Come on, stay with me. Choose him. 
I don't care if it feels good today, choose him. I'm going to the bull bash today, and I'm going to get see many people out there. I'm going to work out there for three hours and watch the rest of the bull riding. And I'm going to see people, without judging them, exactly how I used to be. You understand that? I'm not judging any of them. I'm just telling you, they are going to act exactly. And I think I may have done better than they, most of them do. I'm not lying. I was a complete idiot, but that's okay. Somebody kept trying to get to me and get to the place where I might go. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Many believers seem to get into these situations that subdue them and rob them out of the building the kingdom of God through various actions, sins, condemnations, guilt, shame, etc. We seem to forget who God is. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Because of what you've been through hasn't changed who God is. Because of what you're going to go through haven't has not changed who God, you know, here's what a lot of people think. I really believe, especially those that are nominal Christians, those that have been in and then got out, they just want to see God. If I'm going to do this, then you're going to do this. If I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do this, then you're going to do this. No, the truth is, I'm going to love you no matter what, and whatever you put me through and to is okay. It doesn't really matter. Then and only then are you going to be able to walk in victory. You're not going to walk in victory with conditional assignment. Y'all know at the house, just to give you an example, I told you this, but about, I don't know, six years ago, where's my wife? She's not in here right now. About six years ago, maybe longer, God told me to clean the house. Now, that's really weird because I'm, listen, I even look in the mirror sometimes while I'm doing this and go, what happened to you? Anyway, I clean the house. I don't just, I mean, I clean the house. I really do. And the whole point, I was telling my wife the other day, I mean, like, she goes, could you go to bed without cleaning the house? And I'd go, I wouldn't sleep. I am so, and, but here's the deal I'm trying to tell you. It's unconditional. Because I didn't make the commitment to my wife, I made it to God. And, you know, I know some of us in here that we, when those of us that are married, what we'll do is when we, we play this uh, um, conditional game, if you'll do this, I'll do this. I told my wife the other day I was mad at her, and I said, you know, I'm going to clean the house anyway whether I'm mad at you or not because <laughs> I didn't make the commitment to you. I made it to God. See, that's what I think we have to be able to do regardless of circumstances or situations in our life. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? It's not God that's changed. It's you that are changing. He's faithful to his word. Listen to me. He's faithful to you. Wake up. I think it's time to wake up. There's nothing God has not already freed you from. Have you not heard or have you forgotten what you've heard? What do you want to be free from? You're free. If you're born again, you're free. It's the deal. It's progress in the process. You're free. Well, you don't know what happened to me when I was a kid. I know Jesus was right there. I know in some of you, I shouldn't have said that because you're thinking, well, he was right there. Why didn't he stop it? Because that's not the way God operates on our earth right now. I'm sorry that there are adults, sometimes authorities, that have been placed in a position that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Be that as it may, God's still God. 
God's not changed. He just wants to change you. It's not that he was insensitive. He was very sensitive about your situation. That's why you're here today hearing this message so you can be cut off and cut free from that garbage and move forward with him. And yes, I know sometimes it takes people months to get through this stuff, but sometimes it can take you a moment just meeting with God and you can be free. If you would listen and hear, I think our message gets muddied when we forget. Through whatever happens, who he is, and what his message is to us. His message, Bruce, has always been victory. It's always been victory, and victory, and victory. But between all of those victories, there's battles. That's okay. There's pressure. There's pressure. Are y'all under any pressure right now? Nobody? One? Okay. I got my hand up. Pressure. Or you just grown so used to pressure that you just... You can snuggle right up to it and go to sleep and wake up. I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't like pressure. I always tell you, I've told you this before too, I always think, when am I going to get the waters calm? It's called heaven. Come on, somebody. Make God great again. Make the waters calm anyway. He still controls what? The storm. He still controls the storm, but he can control it through you. I think we forget that. God's going to keep putting that kind of pressure on you until you submit to his will, if you're his. Number one, have you fallen? Do you not know? Have you not heard that he restores? Have you not heard? Do you not know? Listen, you young people. Do you not know, have you not heard that death comes to anybody at any age? Do you, have you not heard, do you not know that getting born again or getting it right with God now would be more valuable to you than going through all the hell the devil has planned for you? All these old people go, amen. <laughs> Two, are you in a helpless situation? See if I'm talking to anybody today. Do you not know? Have you not heard? You're in a helpless situation. You're in the best place you can be. Why? Because if you're helpless, God will help you more. Three, are you trapped in sickness? I'm serious. Are you trapped in sickness? Do you not know? Have you not heard that he came to heal all of our diseases? Do you know that? said all. Everybody that was brought to me healed them all. First thing that he heal, has to heal you with in any situation, physical or mental, has to be that spiritually that he has healed you from Adam. That's a, that's a hard, difficult thing because even when you get saved from Adam, there's residue of his attitude that seems to follow us around. There's residue of unbelief. There's residue of doubt. Do you know what I decided the other day when I was walking? The reason why doubt and unbelief are the opposite of faith because they are so strong and almost equal to but less than because they're driven by a lesser power. Are you listening to me? And faith, you know, you rise up in faith, but usually it doesn't last till we get to the end of the, to the door outside because doubt and unbelief has already arisen because the enemy is, is the... Ruler of this world. 
And unbelief and doubt seem to creep in and we accept, well, I know what the Word says. By God, walk out what the Word says. Hang on to what the Word says. Repeat what the Word says. Get it on something. Quit watching everything that has nothing positive to say about the Word of God. Are you trapped in sickness? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Is your marriage melting? Eminem? Not making fun. Do you not know? Have you not heard? God heals marriages. But there has to be somebody jump into the circle with God and say, I'm not getting out. Yeah, some of you need to learn how to be a Jacob. I am not stopping. I'm not letting go until something changes. Until you, he was so sick of being a liar, a deceiver, a cheater, a manipulator. And he'd come to the end of his rope and looked out there at his brother and said, I know he won't buy another lie. You better tell me how to tell him the truth and he believed me. That's what he did. So God changed him. You say he changed his name. So he did, but he changed him. He changed him so that when his brother saw him, he knew there was not going to be a plan of manipulation. He saw right through his brother to truth. Before that, he wanted to kill I believe if he'd have showed up just like he was when he left his brother the first time, he'd have killed him. I believe Esau would have killed Jacob. But that night, Jacob knew, I better work this thing out. See, some of you just won't get to the night of wrestling. You just won't get to it. And everything you keep, keep facing is just killing off your image so that you can be made into the image of God. And it doesn't have to take this much difficulty, but okay. Are you controlled by the negative? Do you not know? Have you not heard? His word is more powerful than that. His word is more believing than that. I struggle with that myself. Has shame become your solitude? Well, there's so many of us that look back at our past because we still think it's there. A shame becomes our solitude. When we're all alone trying to read our Bible, we start to think about shame. We start to think about guilt. We start to think about condemnation. We just, I am so pathetic. No, you were so pathetic. Come on, somebody, help me. And you say, some of you go, I never even think about this kind of stuff. Maybe you've already arrived. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Are you living in the game of guilt? That's a hard place to live. Because every time you get up to the plate, look at the, look here. You'll swing once, you, you'll swing twice, and you got a foul tip. But the next three pitches are balls, so you think, I got this. I got this. And the next one comes right down the pipe. It's the one you ought to hit, but you watch it go by because you're guilty. There's nothing you can do to get out of guilt. You're in guilt's game. And when you're in guilt's game, guilt never loses. Can't pretend it's game. Three, two count. It always makes you look like you're going to get out. And all of a sudden, at least I can get a walk. Wasn't that what you were looking for? Hey, at least I can not do anything and get out of this. No. No, 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 no. Who's passing? Who's pitching? Satan's pitching. He'll deceive you into thinking it was going to be a ball in the last minute, whereas it goes right down the pipe. And here you are. I knew I was guilty. I'll never get out. 
If you believe that, then have you not heard? Do you not know? This is one of the main ingredients of the billboard of the Christian. Do you know? Have you not heard? No matter what, Paul says it best. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that I speak in respect of want. Don't you love how Paul says this? I'm never going to tell you how much need I really have. Okay? For I have learned. Uh-oh. That's where we get into trouble as Christians. Oh, I've learned. No, what I learned was in my traditional way of thinking, what I've learned as in the world and how they teach me at school, what I've learned is what my culture has taught me, what I've learned is what I learned in a religious institution that I knew, knew not whether they were teaching the Bible or not. I just, mm-hmm, and repeated back. For I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed to be both full and to be hungry, to both abound and to suffer need. Good God, help me. Don't you know if you're not heard? One, it's unconditional. There is no condition there that Paul is not going to live after the what? Don't you know if you're not heard? I believe that this is written so that we can all look at Paul and say that no matter state he's in, his main objective is to represent Christ. No matter what anybody else is doing, no matter what the culture's doing, no matter what they're doing on the job, no matter what crazy stuff is going around in our country, you just, it's not that you don't care, but bless God, the ways and the will and the purpose of God is way more valuable than that. I put on Facebook the other day how much time we spend writing about politics. Why don't you change your tune and write about God? Write about, don't make up your own garbage. Write something down that's true. God gives out ice cream. Well, he may. <laughs> Unconditional. Two, learn. Information into application. That's experience, right? That's experience. When you learn something, here's why older people should help younger people, but the problem is younger people have that thing called rebellion. They have that thing called know-it-all. And I know because I had it. And sometimes I still do. Because I'm still young. Forever young. <laughs> it's a movie like that, wasn't it? Learned. You have to learn something. Older people should be giving younger people information if they give it to them in the right way. Information into application. Three, content. No, I'm sorry. Content versus complacent. One thing about Paul, he was content, but he was not complacent. In other words, he didn't sit back and go, I got this. I've learned it all. I'm going to write this down, and y'all are going to read this and go, how come I can't be like that? I don't have to be like anything. I just have to be. I'll talk to that more about that in just a minute. Four, I know is what he says up here. I'm just going through the scripture. He says, I know, I know. By how? Experience proven. When you know something, if you know, if you, don't, if you slam your finger in a car door, what's it going to do? 
Your, my son stubbed his toe the other day at the house, and I didn't have to ask him if it hurt. He dripped blood all through the house. Sounded like a little girl. I know means there is an experience proven. There's something that you can show is valid. When somebody says, well, you don't really know, don't I? I can tell anybody in here about open heart surgery. I can tell anybody in here about a heart attack. I can tell some people in here about a stroke. Why? Because I know. <laughs> and you can say the same to me. You can tell me some things. You can say, anybody want to know about this? Yeah, well, tell me about it. Well, how do you know? You want to see the scar? That's all you got to say. You want to see the scar? That's why some of us, our scars may not be physical, but they're internal, they're spiritual, they're deep, they're on our soul. And sometimes you need to listen to somebody that's come through that. But also you need to listen to somebody that's still there so you can help them come through that. He says, I know. He says, I know how to be a base to have nothing. I know how it is to have nothing. And he's not just talking about having nothing as in poverty mentality. He's talking about being absent from the presence of God when he thought he was doing everything God told him to do, killing Christians. He knows how it is to be separated from God. That's mainly what he's talking about. He knows how to abound. He got born again. Bless God, he could lay hands on the sick. He could do things. He, I mean, he was leading them to the Lord, raising up churches, establishing pastors and elders. I mean, he knows what it is to walk on the mountaintop. He knew how to be full and to be hungry. He knew how to abound and suffer need. Therefore, he was telling you God is his source. No matter the situation, he was saying God's my source. It doesn't look good. God's my source. It's looking like the bottom's going to drop. God's my source. It's looking like we're on the mountaintop again. Hallelujah. Let's go spend money and have fun. No, God's given you that rhythm with him to make sure as the ant can save up for the winter, you need to learn as well. It's in the Bible. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. See, when we read stuff like that, Bruce, you know what we see? Here's what I think Christians read. Those that, un that could have any kind of concern about their spiritual walk. Well, I've got everything. God's given it to me. But the key to walking, like Paul just explained, in, in heavenly places, he's given you everything, is that it's a process of obedience so you can be removed from some of that pressure. And then as you're obedient to that, God's going to allow you to get into some of these other places. And as you're obedient even in a greater degree to his will, his way, and his word, there's some of that pressure relieved and you begin to be transformed even greater. And as a result, the blessings of God follow you. Is it that bad a message? Y'all feel that bad? Huh? Y'all feel that bad? Man, I need to preach uh, this little light of mine. I never had a little light. I'm telling you what, I have walked with Jesus for 38 years, and I, haven't, I don't have to be perfect. He is in me. 
And I battle just like every single one of you do. Maybe, maybe you don't battle like me. My biggest battle is my past. No, it's not any worse than anybody else's in here, probably, even if you were like my wife, Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes, because her Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes was just as mad as my baddie Two-Shoes. Whatever that means. Acts 20, 20, 25 through 31. Now I know. Here we go. He says he knows, so what do you know now? There's some experience that he's talking about here. Y'all with me? Anytime you read in the scripture, now I know, somebody's talking about they've been through something. Say, I've been through something. Do you know how much stuff that you've been through that you won't tell nobody that could help somebody if you'd use it in the situation God's called you to? But you keep holding it because you don't want anybody to know. Listen, God's erased it, but you can use it. Just because you talk about it doesn't mean God's got it on a on a paper up there and writing it. He said it again. He still got it. No, you use it in ministry. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That's being obedient to the will of God. The billboard of our life. Oh, excuse me. Now I know that none of you among whom I've gone out about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Paul's fixing to be beheaded. Don't you love a guy? He's fixing to be beheaded, but he's going to minister. I love a guy that's only, he's fixing to reach the guillotine, Robert, and he's going to minister on his deathbed. About preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Anybody say that in here? We can't take the whole will of God. You'll get mad. You don't get your way. You don't get the way you see the word in the script. Yeah, I don't interpret it that way. I'm mad. You're not talking to me like that. I'm out. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock what he's telling to them, of which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away after them. So, be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. Listen to me. How many times have you been warned in here? How many times have you been pleaded with in here? Many, many times. 23 years we stood up in front of you, begging and pleading for you to trust God, follow God. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? When are you going to know? And when are you going to hear? I know this message isn't for the weak at heart. But we don't preach messages in here like that. We challenge ourselves as well as you. Almost finished. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 11. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. That's not an option, Leroy. It says do not be ashamed. So what he's taking, something that you know and have heard, he's saying... Don't be afraid when you testify, or don't be ashamed. Because you're going to testify, is what he's saying. About our Lord, are ashamed of me, his prisoner. Can you imagine? 
Everybody wants to be Paul. You just don't want to die that early. But join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You know what we think suffering in the gospel is in Christianity in America? Somebody doesn't include you in their group. I'm not lying. That's suffering. That's suffering for Jesus. You know, I used to run with them, but ever since I come to the Remnant Church, they don't want me around them anymore. No, the truth is you want the world more than you do God, so therefore truth can't prevail. They're making fun of me. They're making fun of my church. They made fun of Jesus. They made fun of him being the son. They made fun of him rising again. Matter of fact, they made so much fun of him, they couldn't stand him, they killed him. Who saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. See, the, I love it what God does right there. He tells us who we are and what we stand for does not depend on us. It depends on him. That's what it says. This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. I told you it's plan J. From the beginning, it was plan J, before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That's a great scripture I don't have time to go to because I'm running out. Grace is the operational power of God that exemplifies, don't you know? Haven't you heard? Nobody has to convince you. You know, and you've heard. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? That's the billboard. Make God great again. Make God great again. Make God great again. I know he's great. You know, that's the disclaimer. But why don't we make him great in our lives so that our country will take on the image of God once again? Why? Because we struggle. And if the church struggles and has the power of the resurrection, what is the rest of the world going to do? Why do you think Christianity sickens most of the world? Because when we're with the world, we act like the world. Is that true or not? We get with the world, we cuss like the world. We get with the world, we get extended away from this church, we'll drink like the world. What do you think you're going to be doing on Memorial Day any different than anybody else? getting quiet in here. <laughs> Do I think drinking a beer will send you to hell? No, but you can't witness much. I'm just telling you the truth. I look at the star. You know, I don't have, I'm not going to build a bar, so I'm just going to tell you this. I've been in the star bar one time. I had to go to the bathroom on a bus run. I had to go in and go to the bathroom. But I remember the inside. There was a bar there, of course. But I was telling my son the other day, that is the worst-looking piece of metal. If I was going to have a bar, I'd have it fixed up. I'm just telling y'all, if I had a bar, it'd be nice. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Ted, you got that? If I had a bar, when you come up in there, it'd be painted on the outside. It'd be looking good. Because that's usually what the world does, and it captures you and destroys you. That one doesn't even put on a good outside. Help me, Jesus. And the beer's probably hot at that. I don't know if it is or not. I just said that for fun. <laughs> you see, what, what gave Paul the focus in the face was that he stopped trying to be what God had called him to be. Now listen. He struggled, but then came to this conclusion. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 
Now, let me, let me tell you what this means. You are his branch. Stop trying to be what you are. Stop it. Being his branch means you will produce his fruit. You're his branch. Why are you his branch? He called you his branch. That means you are his. He, he called you his branch. That means you are his. So why are you trying to be a branch? Haven't you heard? Don't you know? A tree doesn't try to be a tree. Huh? Does it? A dog doesn't get up and say, I'm going to be a dog. Yeah. But a dog doesn't do that, does it, Leroy? A dog is born a dog and acts like a dog, and you don't have to tell him he's a dog. He's a dog. A bird doesn't try to be a bird. It's a bird. It's born a bird. It does everything a bird does. Hopefully it's not one of the flightless ones because they become extinct. But it's a bird. Why? Because its DNA says it's a bird. Since you are in Christ, you are a branch, and there's nothing you can do about it. So why don't you learn how to act like a branch? You're a branch. Everything from the vine is flowing into you to show you how to be a son, don't you know? Haven't you heard? A french fry doesn't have to try to be a french fry. It's the truth. You are what you are. Because the Bible calls you a branch, get this, you are a then why are you trying to act like the tree? Why are you trying to act like the dog, the car, the hamburger? You're not any of those things. You're a branch that's into the vine, and the vine feeds into you to give you the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through obedience to break the pressure to form the image of God in a greater degree in you. There's nothing you can do about being a branch. Nothing. You're a branch. See, I think the way the enemy does this, the reason why, as a branch, we begin to lose that flow because we were convinced, for some of the reasons I mentioned in the sermon, that we've lost the flow of God in us so that our branch is withered. Now, it could be withered, but you're still a branch. You just not, may not be a pretty branch. You may not be a colorful branch. You may be a branch that's under construction. Oh, we don't like that, do we? That's all right, you're still a branch. Go out and act like a fool today. If you're a born again, you're still a branch. Can't do anything about it, you're a branch. Did you get something today?